reading this morning is from uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. You can find it on page 9 in your worship guides. The word of the Lord from Matthew 25. Hear now the word of our God. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant! You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. You ought to have invested my money with the bankers. On my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. As we travel through this parable today, please ask God to help you take a thoughtful look at your life and all that is in it. With the aid of the Holy Spirit, consider taking a personal inventory of your precious life gifted to you by God for your blessing as well as the benefit of the body of Christ and ultimately for the honor and glory of God in Jesus Christ. Just in this congregation, we have all kinds of talents, gifts, abilities, and a whole host of assets. We could take a lifetime to inventory all that is possessed just by this group. Remember, we are talking about everything we have. Because all that we have is a gift from God, talents that he has provided for us. The talents used in this parable are of great value, consistent with the servant's entire life's valuables and more. 
we have before us Jesus' teaching on what life is truly about now and what matters for us into the future. It is a teaching designed to motivate those who belong to God in Jesus Christ through his gracious gift of faith and are seeking to obediently live for their master's glory and enjoy his happiness. This is not a passage about how to gain salvation or fellowship and peace with God in Jesus Christ, but it's about showing how we can properly and lovingly live out our cherished relationship of salvation and peace with God in our everyday lives as his loving servants, gifted with a variety of talents according to our abilities. According to our abilities. That's one of the repetitive statements given to both the one with the five talents and the two talents. For some, or maybe even most of us, this phrase might sting a little, a hurt when we first hear it. Maybe this is true because too often we want what we want and we are not satisfied until we get it. We have our own ideas of what we think we should have. Maybe some of us had, have dealt with that in our, in our lives already or maybe dealing with it right now. We want more from God than what we believe we are getting from him. And that can be a, quite a challenge. But Jesus offers us each, each of us today in this passage, a reality check in that we who have been given the gift of new life in Jesus Christ and peace with God by his wonderful gift of faith can be truly satisfied and even rejoice with thanksgiving no matter our circumstances, our abilities, and talents provided. When we are in Christ, we are useful for the glory of God as we proceed by faith, no matter how many talents we have. The key for each of us is to use what we have the best we can out of the love for God and unto his glory in thankful obedience. This parable provides a contrast between what it means to live for one's master with joy and devotion versus what it looks like for one to live for himself or herself alone, defying his master and his master's desires. For those who are not yet united with God in Jesus Christ, it is also a parable to warn those who do not honor God and do not strive to live all of life for his glory. It is a warning about the judgment to come, and in so doing, God in his mercy may bring new life to some through this passage. Sometimes it takes that confrontation with God in his word before he brings that new life, convicting us of our sin, showing us where we have seen and used our lives for our only purposes. The Apostle Paul, however, understood this message very well. God had thoroughly worked on him and brought him to the right place of embracing a life in Christ. If you take a moment to look back at the life of Of Paul, you see where he's been worked over. Significantly, where God brought him to a place where he understood what Jesus is teaching us today. So in dramatic fashion, he wrote to the followers of church at Philippi to convey this message in its clearest form of what it means to live life to its fullest for his master. 
for your master, for mine, for Jesus, and enjoy Christ's happiness. For me to live is Christ, Paul said, and to die is gain. He sums it up in this one statement that the whole of his life, no matter how many talents or how few, is to live for Christ in any way that we can possibly do that in accordance with his word. Paul summarizes the life of a follower of Jesus perfectly. As long as a person is united with God through faith in Jesus Christ, our life's primary goal is living for his glory and striving to do his will in all of our life. In this letter to the saint, in his letter to the saints in Ephesus, Paul writes it this way. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance that we would walk in them. For all who are in Christ, we are gifted by God with talents, and he will strengthen each of us by the power of the Spirit to multiply these talents for his glory. That's a key message here in this parable. Again, in a similar manner, Paul writes to the followers of Christ in Philippi about all of the help they have in living for Jesus, of what it means to be this servant who is using the talents that God has given. We are never left alone in using these talents to serve God for his glory. As he writes in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, because it is God who is working in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. It really doesn't matter how much you supply. It is God who brings the increase in our lives in accordance with his perfect will. What you bring or produce in any given situation is enough when done out of obedience to God and thankfulness for all he has done and provided for you in Jesus Christ. He brings the fullness of our lives to completion. Nothing in our lives is wasted when we are in Christ's care. Your pains are not wasted. Your sorrow is not wasted. Your weakness is not wasted. Your mistakes are certainly not wasted. And your successes are not wasted. God uses the whole of each of your lives in Christ for his honor and glory. Regardless if you've been given five talents or two, he will multiply those in accordance with his perfect desires. Also in this parable is sandwiched between, it is sandwiched between two other parables about the ultimate judgment of God upon all people. This judgment is a reality that will ultimately come upon all people. We are reminded that death does not lead to a final reward for everyone. Only those who know God in Jesus Christ and live for him through his gracious gift of faith. There is never, ever any worry in the final judgment for those who belong to Jesus because he has covered their sins with his righteousness forevermore. There is also teaching here about what it means to be a disciple of Christ. 
It speaks to the fullness of a disciple's commitment to following and serving one's master in every aspect of life. At the end of the gospel, according to Matthew, we have recorded these well-known words of Jesus the Christ about being disciples. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to the eleven disciples and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. And lo, I will be with you always, even to the ends of the earth. What is a disciple? What are we called to be and to be doing? I think one way a theologian described it nicely is in four components. A servant, steward, witness, and equipper. A disciple functions in these four capacities throughout our lifetime. A disciple is a servant. And when we think about a servant, a servant has no hold on their life at all. Their vision belongs to their master. Their time belongs to their master. Their energy belongs to their master. Their producing belongs to their master. And the scriptures make it clear that we are servants of Christ. The goal of our lives is to use all that we have been given, not for our own benefit, but for the glory of God, which includes our benefit and the blessing of others. A steward is also a part of being a disciple. It is one who takes that which belongs to the master and uses it as the master desires. And so the steward and and servant go well in together. We're also a witness as a disciple, simply being able to testify to what we know. One does not need to be an expert in order to be a witness. We simply tell what we know, what we have seen, what we have come to understand. If we can't go any further than that, that's okay. That's where we belong. And then finally, an equipper. It is someone who can take and help someone else. Again, you don't have to be an expert. But every one of us is along a certain point in this path of life. And we have the ability as disciples of Christ to help somebody else. Someone that's coming behind us that we're able to help along. Every one of us can at least help somebody else. Because there's always someone else that needs to travel the path that we're on. In this parable, Jesus is highlighting the servant aspect. Those other ones are good and I think invaluable in understanding the nature of being a disciple, but our focus in this is what Jesus is telling us about being a servant. Being a disciple to teach about a vital part of a disciple's life in Christ. This is a critical aspect that he is telling us using this parable of these Three servants, one with five talents that's been given, one with two talents, and one that was given one. Each of them have been given something that does not belong to them. It's been given to them by the master. The master owns that which has been provided. And these things are to be used for the master's purposes, as a true servant would do, as well as a a steward in this case. In a similar manner, Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God, of which we are disciples, when he responded to the question, 
What is the greatest commandment? If you were to ever be asked that, what is the greatest commandment as a follower of Christ? Hopefully most of us, maybe even all of us, would be able to say to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is with it. And that is to love our neighbor as ourself. The whole law, Jesus said, is bound up in those two. So if we ever get misdirected, we can always go back to those two commandments. That at the center of our life right now, in this very moment, and for the rest of it, is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind and all of our strength. And then loving our neighbor as ourselves. When you look at the Ten Commandments, you see it like that, broken down in those two tablets, as we recall. That at the essence of loving God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, is then we are loving our neighbor as ourselves. At the core of living for the kingdom of God is seeking to love God with all of one's heart and all of one's soul and all of one's mind, and then loving one's neighbor as himself while serving him all that we have been given. The first servant valued his master and desired with eagerness to use the talents given to him by his master to improve upon his master's assets. We see that, that there is no question. He went and he did. He used the talents that God had given to him. And there's a measure of eagerness that we find. The second servant also valued his master and sought with devotion to use the talents given to him by his master, even though they were fewer than those given to the first servant. We might be able to look here and go that there is no measure of competition between the servant with five talents given to him by his master and the servant with two talents given to him by his master. There's no competition. There was both an eagerness and a desire to use them. As well as when they brought them before the master, they were both eager to show him what had occurred, that they had been doubled each. However, the third servant did not value the master. He was not interested in furthering the master's assets and saw him not as a loving master to seek to please out of love, but instead did not value serving his master and so hid the talents given to him and did not use them for his master's blessing and benefit. It is gross negligence that he did not see the master's talents given to him as something that he should use for the master's blessing and benefit and just hid them away. Judgment against this third servant is not for the lack of the amount gained because the first two servants who gained unequally were equally praised. The problem for the third servant is that he gained nothing by not trying by not caring about the master to attempt to use what the master had given him for the master's benefit. He did not value and honor his master enough to serve him by using the talents he was given for the master's benefit. He alone, in this parable, received judgment against him by his master because he valued his own desires and and his purposes above his master's. 
Let's put this parable in contrast to an earlier teaching of Jesus recorded in Matthew 7, verses 17 to 23. So every healthy tree bears fruit, good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does, the will of my Father, who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. In the parable of the talents, it is for the lack of effort by the third servant to use the talents gifted to him for the master's purpose that the servant was judged guilty by the master as an affront to the master's authority. While in the account we just read in Matthew 7, those Jesus says are to depart from him because he never knew them are the ones who say they have done great things in his name. They prophesied in his name, cast out demons in his name, and did mighty works in his name. He describes them as workers of lawlessness. Some of us, if we saw someone doing what they described, we would go, that's some really significant things being done. That's great stuff. So the question maybe before us then is, so what really matters? I believe this is what Jesus is teaching in this parable. What matters is being a child of God through his gift of faith, being one of his servants, one of his disciples, a faith and power of God that moves us to want to live for God in all of life. It is faith working in us by the power of the Holy Spirit that moves us to see life more and more from God's vantage than from our own. It is a faith that enables us to believe and trust even when we can't see the fullness of the outcome of our efforts or the purposes and benefits of our circumstances, whatever they may be. It is a God-given faith that enables one to see his amazing hand in our efforts to use what he has given to us to show forth his great love and glory in Jesus Christ. As Pastor Troy has rightly said many times, all of us in the body of Christ are needy and all of us are needed. That is really not a trivial statement at all. It's one of the most profound things that we can keep before us. And I'm really glad how often Pastor Troy reminds us of that. The body of Christ has people with all variety of talents, as Jesus described in today's parable, and all are needed. And all are needy. No matter how strong one's abilities are or the abundance of one's talents, they are still in need of Jesus and in need of others. No man is an island. And no matter how weak one may think their abilities are or how low their amount of talents, the truth is they are needed in the body of Christ and are as equally in need of Jesus 
as are those who are stronger in their abilities, gifted with more talents. These truths are at the foundation of our life together in the body of Christ. We thrive on the understanding that each of us is needy before God and Jesus Christ and before one another, and each of us is needed in the body of Christ. When you are in Christ, you have been chosen to be a valued part of the family of God in manifesting his glory to a watching world and also to those in the heavenly realms. The Apostle Paul wrote to the saints in Corinth, explaining well this true nature of God's concern and care for the body of Christ and its proper function with all of the talents he has provided for his honor and glory. He has lavished upon us an abundance of talent, talents that are to be used for his honor and glory and the blessing and benefit of the body of Christ. So we have here in 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 12, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ, the body of Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves or free, all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor, again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So I ask you, in Christ's care, founded upon his righteousness alone and by the strength of the Holy Spirit, consider well the talents God has has already given to you, whether great or small, and the place you have been given in the body of Christ. Contemplate, I ask you, how you may be renewed and empowered with joy and hope to see what God is pleased to do with you, to use everything gifted to you by God for the blessing and benefit of the body of Christ, for the glory of God and the furthering of his kingdom, both now 
and forevermore. Then set out in faith, founded upon Jesus' righteousness, to use your talents well, sharing in your master's happiness, and see what increase your loving and generous master may bring for your blessing, for the benefit of others and unto his honor and glory. You may never know until you try. Let's pray.